0: wrestling fans are you ready this is tuesday you people
1: bought a ticket to see me so shut up
0: wrestling tuesday with jonathan
1: hood first of all dusty rose i think what you are is a big ugly low-class redneck goof what i think you are yeah i put it i know i put it but I'm most of all
0: the baddest man around in the world today
2: follow the show at wrestling twt on twitter and instagram but remember my fireflies as always i'll light the way and all you have to do is let me in tuesday wrestling tuesday the bottom line is in all my magnificent you're gonna be mine all Nice! Wow! Here's Jonathan Hood.
3: Welcome in to an edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. Also our YouTube page, YouTube.com. Have you subscribed to our YouTube page? All you gotta do is type in Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday and you can be a subscriber. Just hit that button and you're right in to some of the long form interviews you might have missed on Tuesday wrestling Tuesday as i record this on february 1st early on a saturday morning Boy, my schedule is so upside down, but I want to make sure that you are getting the wrestling content that you want. That's why I do this for you and me, the wrestling fan. Thanks so much, as always, for downloading the podcast wherever you download your podcast. So much to discuss here as we turn the calendar over to February 1st. A lot to get to. I will say that... um, In January, it's such a great start for wrestling because we're able to see the WWE start off with one of their tentpole events in Royal Rumble in Houston. Really solid show. Drew McIntyre wins the Royal Rumble. It has been way too long, way too long. But finally, we see Drew McIntyre in a big spotlight. Now, whether he becomes champion or not at WrestleMania, I mean, more than likely not. Maybe so, you know, never know with the WWE, but it was just great to see Drew McIntyre in that spot because he's had two stints now with this company. He's been up and down the roads in independence, wrestling overseas, and this guy should have been at the top of the mountain long, long time ago. So great for him to win the Royal Rumble. Um, I thought that Worlds Collide, as we talked about in our last broadcast, I thought Worlds Collide was a terrific show. It just shows you that Triple H is done a great job with the NXT and NXT UK brands. If you have not watched NXT UK, I don't know what you're waiting for. Find an hour in your week to be able to watch that show. Because if nothing else, if you look at the last NXT show and you saw the grizzled young veterans um, taking on... Um, the uh, the broserweights, um, you can just see that Grizzly Young Veterans, they really, really put a lot of time in. They're a terrific tag team. And so it's just kind of typical of the Dusty Classic. You just can't get the uh, normal quality tag team that's been together forever. You just got to have these two guys come together to be able to win the Dusty Classic. I, I'm i not sure what that means, but I'm, I'm glad that that main event took place on NXT. But I think if nothing else... You're seeing the NXT UK um, crew come over to Orlando on USA Network, and we're seeing some some quality from them. It's a different style, but it's a, it's a terrific style to watch if you're a wrestling fan. So um, in the month of January, seeing the WWE and their two shows, watching AEW, AEW filming one of their shows, Dynamite, and I guess Dark as well, on a ship in the Bahamas, which is crazy. (laughs) And it looked great, by the way. It was um, some tight quarters there around ringside, but it just shows you how technology has grown, man. When you can film on a ship, and it looks like you're in an arena. AEW has done a great job of being unique, one way or the other. Whether you like it the company or not, they find a way to be unique, and it captures the eye of the audience. There's a reason why AEW continues to win on Wednesday nights over NXT, and that is just because people are just curious to see how different AEW is from the WWE NXT show. So it's, um, it's quite interesting interesting the way they go about their business, um, as a company. So just to film on a ship is just amazing. On the, on the Jericho cruise, that's, it, that's nuts. Uh, some of their action has been getting better, uh, for 2020, but they still got some things to work on, uh, for that show. But the one thing that I will always say about AEW is AEW, just like any other company that's starting, there's always going to be growing pains and issues. And so, I watch AEW and I'm a fan of what they are trying to do because I like that they're trying to give you an alternative. They're not trying to insult you every single segment. They all don't sound the same. The promos don't all sound the same. So I just like the idea that there's something different, something new uh, that's on the wrestling landscape and AEW has done a great job with that. And they're traveling a lot of different places. They are are doing well ticket wise in a, a number of these cities and that's pretty good for a company that just started last year. Uh, and traveling and trying to find out where the fans are for some of these cities. It's um, a renaissance for some of these fans to be able to say, oh, there's wrestling going to be in my backyard. It's not WWE. Okay, let me just sample it, see if it's uh, something for me. Uh, So I think that that's fun. The NWA had their show. NWA Power is one of my favorite hours of the week. When I get a chance to watch NWA, I think that they are doing a terrific job as a company. They just had their Hard Times pay-per-view uh, last Friday, and boy, what a what a terrific show that was. Everything was kind of surrounded around the television championship. As Josh Lopez told me from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com last week, he said that, hey, you know, here's the thing that you look at with this company. Everything was surrounded by the TV championship, and Nick Aldis was not the main event against Flip Gordon. He was on the card, but he was not the main event, and that, that's true. It, it's, it says a lot for kind of the depth of that young roster for the NWA. So they're doing a really good job. That That is for sure. As I mentioned, we have a lot to cover here. Uh, let me just mention one thing about promos. And it's something that I believe I've talked about on the show before, but I just want to bring it up here as we get ready for the February calendar of pro wrestling in 2020. Promos still matter in wrestling. You can look at every flip and every move and every, um, hole that you see in wrestling but there's nothing like the promo because the promo is the hook for us as wrestling fans the promo what is said the spoken word still matters in wrestling it has been as old as the hills as jim Cornette has said it's old as the hills of watching someone tell you how bad they are i'm a badass i'm great and here's why i'm great or Here's why I'm going to beat your ass. I'm going to beat you because of this. And just trying to accentuate the storyline and push the storyline forward for us to be able to get hooked. Now, for me, as an old school wrestling fan, the longer the storyline, the better it can get. I can't see a storyline deteriorating unless at the end you don't get what you want as a wrestling fan. And so... When I hear certain promos, like from James Drake from Grizzled Young Veterans, that's a great example of a guy that is a great promo that does not mind being hated, who loves being a heel, when he's on in that, in that um, arena in the UK for NXT, he just gets booed as soon as he comes to the curtain. As soon as he opens his mouth, he gets booed because nobody wants to hear from him because of his long droning promos. But it's not boring. There is substance to his promo, but James Drake is right on my list as a top six guy that can provide a promo in 2020 and be effective with it. Um, I think that wrestlers like Daniel Bryan in the WWE, Daniel Bryan is not going to do the staccato, the showman, theater type promos that are taught by the WWE brass. Daniel Bryan will just go right through it and say what he's got to say. And Daniel Bryan has been great uh, as a promo, not just as of late, but for the majority of his career where he's really been able to come out and just be kind of a, a rabid dog character just saying what's on his mind and yeah it makes me wonder, I'm sure his bullet pointed isn't even scripted. I'm not even sure if it is. I just know he gets his point across. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. A lot of people like to think that the fiend is great at mind games and double talk and victimizing other people. Do you know what he's best at? He's best at running away. He's best at disappearing. And how do you beat somebody who disappears every time he's in trouble? I've got an idea. It's not a good idea. And it's really, really not a smart idea. I challenge The Fiend to a strap match at the Royal Rumble. What that means is he's gonna have one end of the strap tied around his hand, the other end is gonna be tied around my hand, and we're gonna go to war until one man wins. I I understand that is dangerous, I understand that he's gonna try to whip the flesh off my body. I understand that he's gonna try to rip my arm out of socket, but I don't care. I am done with the mind games. I am done with the running. I'm done with him disappearing down that damn hole every time I get him in trouble. The Fiend, he changed me. And at the Royal Rumble, I'm gonna change the Fiend and win the universal championship
3: I mean, just a solid promo by Daniel Bryan telling you exactly what he's going to do. And that's old school. That's new school. To me, it's just being able to get your point across and to try to excite the fans on what's next in your story. Cody Rhodes has proven to be a terrific promo as well. He's got more time to be able to express himself. That feud with him and MJF has been great. They have been some of the best promos that we have in wrestling because not scripted, Maybe bullet pointed, but the point is still made that those two are going to go at it uh, late February on the 29th of February for their pay-per-view in Chicago for AEW. So those two have been great and probably the best of them all in AEW for sure has been the AEW champion um, Chris Jericho because Jericho has been able to have promo time to be able to get the inner circle over and the fans love to react to him.
2: And then look at these two psychos beside me right here, Santana and Ortiz. You might have seen them around, but I'll tell you what, they're dirtier than they've ever been. They're nastier than they've ever been. I personally recruited them to AEW, and they are ready to fight. They're angry. They're pit bulls among
1: pit bulls. They're Street Fighter back alley brutes, and I like it. And that's why they made my list, Viva La Raza.
2: Champion, but more importantly,
1: right here, right now, he is the toughest, most terrified, most crazy MMA fighter in the world today. Okay, hold on. Hey, hey, calm down for one second. Calm down for one second. We the People sucks and it's dead and bad.
3: pop the internet um (laughs) so it just shows you the power of the spoken word how chris jericho who always has been a terrific promo has really come into his own now because he's not tied up with you know bad creative as he mentioned or um just silly scripts he's being himself and i think this is the best that we've seen of jericho on the microphone but the promo still matters in a big way But I believe the best promo that we have now in wrestling is Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis from the NWA, the NWA champion. He calls himself the real world champion. I think we've heard that before in wrestling. But because of how old the championship is, you could probably say he is the real world champion. Nick Aldis is doing a lot with this NWA. And again, this company is new again. It's drawing a crowd in Atlanta for a couple of their shows, and they're going to have the Crockett Cup show pretty soon. But nobody stirs the drink like Nick Aldis when he comes out because he always gets a reaction, always, for this N.W.A. power show.
1: Camille, like I said, is no longer—people are trying to suggest— that I date, I get some sort of swerve on everybody. Like I, I, I we, we had some sort of subterfuge going on. No, no, I told the truth. Hey, pipe down, the grown-ups are talking. No, no, I told the truth. I said Camille was no longer my insurance policy. So what I said was true because she is a fully fledged member of Strictly Business. She's a member of the team Joe and her actions like all of the members of my team we look out for our own. How can you justify the actions of Strictly Business towards Tim Storm? How can you, how can you justify the actions of Tim Storm trying to insert himself in my business? He had his shot, his time has come and gone. And all he is now is a relic in my rearview mirror. That's why he got pumped out by Camille. You want to talk about another relic? What about another Connie trying to make a payday off of my hard work? Ricky Morton? Yeah, you heard me right. Hey, you keep your mouth shut. Show me some respect. He's a great, he's a legend in the tag team division, but that's as far as it goes. Speaking of tag teams, I see all these people around here, Eli Drake, James Storm, trying to do what they always do, trying to jump to the front of the line without earning it, getting himself in line for the World Tag Team Championships. Let me tell you something, the Wild Cards are absolutely in that mix. I've got enough stroke around here. Speaking of stroke, stroke daddy Ricky Starks my opponent here tonight a lot of people including that guy from the past Tim Storm were trying to suggest that I didn't want to be part of that TV title tournament because they don't think I can get the job done in six minutes Hey, there's only one place that I don't get the job done in six minutes, and that's the bedroom, because I go all night. (laughs) Ask the missus. All night long.
3: All night long. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Nick Aldis. Man, he is... uh he really captures that audience and really backs up what he says in the ring because not only a terrific promo, but um, a really solid performer as the NWA World Heavyweight Champion. They're really fun to watch, that is for sure. So, once again, the promo uh, really matters in professional wrestling. Let's move on to the news that took place not too long ago about AEW. So, clearly, Turner Broadcasting... Um, really enjoys what they're seeing with AEW because they continue to win. They continue to put up a pretty solid number, almost a million viewers a week on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday nights. And I guess they're doing some great things on the AEW Dark Show. And this kind of goes back down the rabbit hole of when Turner saw how great Nitro was doing in the late 90s under Eric Bischoff. They thought, well, wait, if Nitro's doing well, we need another show for TBS. So TNT's getting all these numbers. What about TBS? And so that's when Thunder took place. And uh, Eric Bischoff and Turner Broadcasting was not ready for a second show. But I think the philosophy during that time was, well, if SmackDown is the second show to Monday Night Raw, then we've got to have a second show as well. Well, Eric Bischoff will continue to tell you on his podcast, 83 Weeks of Eric Bischoff, wherever you download your podcast, he'll always say, oh, you know, we weren't ready for a second show. We didn't want thunder. Listen, when you look back at the roster that WCW had during that time, no, Nitro shouldn't have been three hours. It should have been two hours, but they expanded it, they expanded it to three hours. So... They talked about, well, you know, Turner wasn't going to pay for it. Someone had to pay for it. So that whole thing was a mess where Turner didn't necessarily put all their resources into Thunder. But it wasn't like they couldn't have put a nice show on on Thursday nights. Because you look at that roster. Nitro was just, uh, they were just inundated with. NWO stuff. Every time you looked around, it was an NWO segment or a Goldberg segment. And this is why the Chris Jericho's and the big shows and some of the luchadors and some of these people left because they can never get over in the company. Could you imagine if Thunder during that time was just a a ton of WCW stars getting their uh, storylines over? A little NWO, but a lot of WCW, it would have been successful. Maybe not beating... Um, Smackdown at the time, but is pretty pretty much as good though. Pretty much as good. Um, so when you hear Eric Bischoff say, "Oh, we couldn't have, we should not have had a second show," yeah, you could have a second show if you would have been able to take care of your roster, all of your roster. I understand everyone can't get over, but the frustrating thing about Thunder back then was is that they show all these clips of Nitro, all the sh- all the stuff that happened on Nitro, and then Thunder would just be some afterthought. It would be some middle card guys, and they still couldn't get over. The problem with WCW, a lot of it was that defeated Eric Bischoff for not being creative enough to look past the NWO or, or Goldberg because there's so much more to that show than just that faction and that guy. But... That's in the past, and that's why WCW is closed. So now, AW is going to have another show, and I guess it's going to be on another Turner uh, platform. And so now it makes me think of back in the day, right? Dynamite has a show for two hours, and now I think TBS wants some as well. Eric Bischoff, who lived this life... When he was working uh, for Turner Broadcasting as an executive for WCW, gave his thoughts on oh, another show for AEW already.
0: Well, first of all, I was really happy for everybody at AEW. I don't, I don't know, you know, other than you know some of the talent. Um, I, I don't know Tony Khan. I've never met him, never talked to him. Um, but obviously very happy for them and, and happy for the business in general because it, it's making the industry all that much healthier and certainly happy for all of the talent, even the ones that I don't know because there's a there's a lot of talent that has a great place to work that might otherwise not. Uh, so generally across the board, very happy for them and, and for the business in general. That's my first reaction. My second reaction is, You know, there's a lot I don't know. I have no idea what AEW's goals are. I have no idea what Turner's, you know, goals or expectations are with regard to the AEW uh, brand in in business. So, you know, given the fact that there's so much, I don't know, my opinion really isn't worth all that much. I just am, am sharing my own personal experience in that if you don't have the right infrastructure and by infrastructure, I'm, I mean budget and the and the talent to support it. Not just in-ring talent, but outside of the ring talent. Whether it's your production team, you know, your, your post-production team, whatever. All of the elements that go into delivering a great product or building a great business have to be there. And if you don't have that, as was my case, you know, at WCW when we were launching Thunder. And the expectations were very high from TBS at the time. You know, Ted Turner wanted another uh, nitrile, you know, type of of success for the TBS network. It wasn't just, hey, let's just put out another show and do the best we can. There was a lot of expectations uh, from Ted on Thunder and we didn't have the infrastructure to pull it off. We stressed every part of our business from the talent in the ring to the talent that's required to put the show on, whether it's backstage production staff, post-production staff, whatever it is, we put a lot of stress uh, on our infrastructure and it it took a toll. So my hope in, you know, is that with regard to another show for AEW, that number one, the expect- expectations from the network side of things are in line and they're, they're not out of whack and they're not expecting too much. Uh, at least not right away. I'm hoping that the infrastructure within AEW can easily support another show without putting too much burden on the talent. And again, when I say talent, I mean talent across the boards, in the ring, out of the ring, production and everything that goes along with it. Um, and, and, and I think the last part of my observation would be, as we just said, there's 10 hours of wrestling available right now is there enough of an audience to date another hour I mean how much is too much you know we've seen this I think with sports in general where you know it's like Major League Baseball for God's sake there's how many what 4,000 games a year before you get into the playoffs you know basketball I mean who really cares until you get into the latter part of the season Um, football's a little bit different because of the nature of the sport but how, how much Can you sustain in the long term, not in the short term, but how much will the audience stay interested in 10 hours, 11 hours, you know, soon to be, and probably more of wrestling content throughout the week? It just, to me, I think you run the risk, potentially, I'm not saying it's going to happen, I hope it's not going to happen, but I think when there's that much content out there, um, you run the risk of, of losing that sense of... Man, I gotta tune in to see what's gonna happen. Look at WWE. Let's use WWE as an example. You got your three-hour show, you know, on Monday night. You got two hours on on SmackDown. Let's leave NXT out of the equation for a minute. You know, I think one of the reasons that we're never going to see one of, not the only, but one of the reasons we're never going to see, you know, Raw delivering four, five, six million viewers like they used to or SmackDown delivering what I think was probably the the expectation going into the Fox deal of being able to deliver three, four, five million viewers a week because you're on a a network and you have a bigger audience potentially as a result of that. I think one of the reasons that it's not happening, Raw's numbers are flat. SmackDown is, for the most part, flat. Even on the Fox network, it barely gets a bigger number than, than Raw on cable. And i think one of the reasons for that within wwe isn't because of the talent isn't because of the creative it isn't because of anything other than the fact there's just so much of it out there that as a viewer you don't feel compelled to need to tune in because you can watch something else two days later and that's pretty much the same thing or you can catch up online and find out what happened in a given match if you're interested in it i just think because there is so much content that you reach a level of saturation that ultimately hurts, or I don't want to say hurts, but it, it prohibits you from reaching those big numbers that we used to see that the fact that there's, you know, the television landscape has changed so much and streaming platforms and all the other, I don't want to call them excuses, but kind of excuses why you're not seeing the kind of success that the business used to have in terms of the total number of viewers is because there's just so much out there that it doesn't feel, I don't know, it just doesn't feel compelling anymore.
3: Thoughts there from Eric Bischoff from his podcast 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, wherever you download your podcast. Interesting thoughts there. Um, I don't believe that there's too much wrestling. I just think that just like it was in the territory days. And of course the the difference is if you didn't have a big ass satellite dish in your backyard to be able to see these many different channels of, of wrestling, that's, that's one thing. Or if you had like a really strong cable system where you could see five, six, seven different wrestling shows, um, You know, I don't think it was too much wrestling back then. I don't think it's too much wrestling now. We all can choose what we want to watch. I have a busy schedule, but when I'm traveling, I get a chance to watch an NWA, watch an MLW, watch WWE, to be able to watch uh, AEW, NXT UK. You know, there's just, depending on the time, there's always time to watch wrestling if you're a wrestling fan, right? Um, But to his point, to his point is, is that it's got to be compelling. And that is an issue with some of these companies, where there's no hook on a regular basis, a weekly basis. You know, we talk about episodic television all the time, right? That's just a phrase that Vince McMahon made up. Episodic television, but it's it's about how can you hook me from week to week for me to be able to watch. That's the thing. Do you have multiple storylines where it's like, oh, I got to see what's going to happen next week? That's the whole thing with just television in general, not just pro wrestling. So interesting thoughts there from, from Eric Bischoff. Um, uh, I just think that he could talk about the infrastructure at Turner when he was there with um, Nitro and Thunder. That might have been an issue because he talks about it all the time, so I get that. Um, but if you have a roster and you have young talent that you need to feature... Uh, that you think is ready, the name to be on television. This is where AEW has an issue because they have a, such a young roster of independent stars that have not had um, television time on a weekly basis. And now you want to give them like this fast forward rushed course of how to be able to wrestle in a television Uh, Sense because there's a difference between wrestling in front of 500 or 1,000 people with no cameras and wrestling live on television. And we are seeing some holes in that in some of the kids on this roster, but they're young and they're still learning on the fly. This is why whatever budget that the cons have for AEW, they need to try to find more veteran talent with experience to take on some of these young wrestlers so they can learn the television experience and wrestling on TV. Uh, it's one thing to be able to get your buddies that you wrestled uh, in the ind- independence or someone that you scouted. But it's it's nothing like veteran experience, having vignettes explain who these veterans are, put them in the ring, let people be hooked on to them, and then move forward from there. Um, I think one of AEW's issues, if they're going to have another TV show, whether it's on TBS or on um, uh, BR Live or whatever, you need to get veteran talent. If you're gonna do that, fine. But you've got to be able to slow down and tell the story of why these people are important. Why is Big Swole on my TV? Who is she? Have they explained that on TNT? I don't think they have. You just you just roll. They're gonna it's gonna be another Japanese um, female wrestler that's gonna come out uh, coming up next Wednesday. I mean, they mentioned her name. I don't know who that is. Who is she? Uh, I, I, Shouts out to MJF. If it wasn't for MJF being in the booth in Cleveland uh, during the Butcher and the Blade match, he explained who the Butcher and the Blade were better than Jim Ross, Excalibur, and Tony Schiavone. He, if you go back and watch that match, he talked about the experience and where they came from as far as their wrestling roots are concerned. like. You shouldn't have to have Chris Jericho or MJF on the headset to explain things that three announcers should already explain. So, it's, it's another thing I have a problem with with AEW. But again, part of the drawing pains, and they got to figure out what sounds good and what's best for the company moving forward. But ultimately, if they're going to have another hour of wrestling, yeah, it's hot now on Wednesday nights. But you've got to prove yourself and continue to prove yourself as a company um, by being able to have veteran talent with young wrestlers. I think that's, that's the formula. It's always been the formula. Having young wrestlers against young wrestlers, making mistakes on TV on a regular basis uh, won't get it done. Some big news from, uh, oh, this story about Mauro Ranallo. I saw this this morning. I don't know if you've seen this, but I saw this this morning from Mauro Ranallo, the voice of NXT. So Mara Rinaldo was on TSN, and I'll just read for what's on my screen here. It says during the NXT Takeover War Games three event, uh, Corey Graves took to the internet to criticize Rinaldo for not letting Nigel McGuinness and Beth Phoenix get a word in on the broadcast. The comment on Twitter led to people attacking Rinaldo, which led him to deleting his social media accounts. Rinaldo has been public about his battle with bipolar disorder. This incident sent him off and caused him to miss Survivor Series. And that week's broadcast of WWE NXT, Um, Graves would later apologize. So here is what Morrow said to this on TSN. It's the first time he's talked about this. Ronaldo says it was a blessing in disguise. I have nothing really to say about Corey Graves or anyone else in my professional existence in the sense that everyone is entitled to their own opinion. Everyone is able to critique everyone the way they would. I would never do something like that to a co-worker, but that has been addressed. And if anything, I even publicly thank Corey Graves because what the he was the straw that broke the proverbial back in terms of my social media activity. And I will say here and now, I have deactivated all of my social media since November. And I would implore everyone, especially those with mental health issues. Um, social media is so dangerous for uh, to those of us with mental health conditions. And I know in the media, in our everyday lives now, people are being hired and fired by their social media followings or the amount of information they post or how popular they are. That was the quote from Ronaldo on TSN. So he is not coming back to social media. He's deactivated all the social media. And he says he publicly thanks Corey Graves because he was the strut that broke the the back uh, in terms of his social media activity. He he saw what uh, Corey wrote. And people were going after Morrow because of it and going after Corey because of it as well. And he was like, you know what, I don't need this. And it it did set him back in his um, issues with bipolar disorder. Well, I said at the time, and I'll stand by it, Corey was right because I said that before he even tweeted that. I've said that in previous broadcasts here uh, that... I think that sometimes Mauro Ronaldo could be so overbearing that Nigel McGinnis and Beth Phoenix can't get um, get a word in, or they can't really shine as color analysts because Mauro is way over the top in the in the broadcast. Um, that's not all the time, just sometimes. And I just think that it was, it's hard enough to be able to work a three-man booth. I've done three three-person talk shows, so it's hard to be able to get all your thoughts out when you're sharing the mic with two others. But even as a leader of the broadcast, you've got to be able to lay out and allow Nigel and Beth to be able to speak. Uh, I've also said that when Morrow is doing MMA or doing boxing and he's working with two or three other people, he's not like that at all. As a matter of fact, Morrow does have his high spots when he broadcasts, but he also understands that he's got two other analysts there or one other analyst there that has to be able to speak and uh, give their point of view. So I I think that it was not right for uh, Corey because he's a teammate, of Morrow to say that, um, but it happened, and so now Morrow is off of social media. So that's that's unfortunate, but I've criticized Morrow, but I'm, you know, I'm a talk show host and I'm a wrestling fan. Um, but if I'm his teammate or if any teammates I work with with ESPN, one thousand Chicago or ESPN Radio or my Sirius XM, um, you know, I I don't criticize them. I, not not publicly. I'll go to them face-to-face, or I'll talk to their superior, but I don't need to do that on social media. Congratulations to Braun Strowman, the new Intercontinental Champion. That championship is as cold as ice. One of the coldest championships in wrestling. Like a, a prominent championship like the Intercontinental Championship. That thing is so cold. It Maybe it gets hot now. I have no idea, but it... Uh, Because I like Braun Strowman, uh, but boy, it's cold. Hopefully that gets better uh, for the WWE. The overnight ratings for SmackDown on Friday night on the 31st of January. Uh, SmackDown on Fox saw the show drop 4% in the ratings for the second consecutive week, averaging 2.36 million viewers for the first episode of the show since the Royal Rumble. You're coming off the Rumble and the numbers are lower. What was on last night? Well, the celebration of the life of Kobe Bryant in that Lakers-Blazers uh, game did not take place until, well, I want to say 9 o'clock Central Time. I believe it was 9, 9 or 9.30 Central Time. Maybe later than that, actually. Uh, so that had nothing to do with the SmackDown ratings that's just you know the the Smackdown 18 to 34 demo was a 0.5 rating that's up 25 percent uh, 18 to 49 the show averaged the same rating at 0.7 that it did the previous week That's according to the Wrestling Observer so those those numbers have to be flat that the yeah you know, I'm looking at this now yeah there was coverage of the of Kobe Bryant but that game that game did not take place because it was in Los Angeles so 7 to 9 p.m Central time. People still should have been able to enjoy SmackDown coming off of a pretty good Raw, I thought, on Monday night. But numbers are flat, is what Derek Bischoff said. Raw and SmackDown are flat right now. It's flat. And, you know, the, you can make the excuse of, well, you know, you can watch it on different platforms like YouTube and you can stream it and all this other stuff. If it was interesting enough for people to watch doesn't matter what sporting event or what event it is. If it's live and you're interested in it, you will watch it live. That's like any sporting event. That's like uh, any TV show. If it's interesting enough, you will watch it when it airs in abundance. And it's been proven over and over again, the WWE is just, it's not working that way at all uh, as of late. The hope is that things start to pick up. Uh, all the best to Brett the Hitman Hart. He reveals he's had skin cancer. So all the best to him um, because he's dealt with some some ailments uh, over the years. And um, hope the best for the hitman as I saw that earlier this week. And lastly, on the show here on TWT, I'm going to get into the weeds a little bit. <laughs> okay. So the WWE issued a press release earlier um, this week announcing the departures of co-presidents George Berrios and Michelle Wilson. According to the press release, Frank A. Riddick III, who has served as a member of the WWE's board for more than 11 years, has been named the interim chief financial officer and will report directly to Vince McMahon. WWE has commenced a search for both uh, permanent chief financial officer and chief revenue officer. Uh, the reason why that this story is important is because these are the co-presidents of the wwe right next to vince and the departures of barrios and wilson came a week before wwe's fourth quarter and full 2019 financial results that are set to be released on an investor's call on the 6th of february um Following the news of Barrios and Wilson leaving, Market Watch is reporting that the WWE stock shares plunged 23% in after hours trades. Oh man, so as of Thursday, WWE stock was down 35% since April 23rd, 2019. That's not great. So I went to someone smarter than me when it comes to these numbers. All I know is that when Barrios and Wilson are gone, not one, but two, of the top people in the company are done here. Uh, that is uh, quite the story. Let me go to Russell WrestleNomics Radio. If you haven't listened to this podcast, it's really interesting. Russell WrestleNomics Radio breaks down the financial um, numbers when it comes to the WWE, and there's some Q&A, some um, questions about what is going on with Barry and wilson why is this happening now let's listen in although it was probably a good time
4: to sell
0: um, that leads well into a question from brian moran who says prior to this what was the biggest gutting of high-level wwe execs in a single day
4: i wouldn't know you have to get, call uh christopher harrington about that <laughs> he would he's been following uh stuff like that longer than i have but uh you know, I've, I've been following this since 2015, and I've never heard anything like this. There was a lot of turnover uh, related to the W network. There were a lot of what we call network czars that were put in place, people to sort of take control of the network and to, and to supervise it or whatever. And uh, the, and they went through a lot of different names, like Lisa Lee Fox and Lou Schwartz, Perkins Miller, I think. And so there was a lot of turnover there, but that was all in su- succession. Not, not succession, the HBO series, which is <laughs> which is excellent. But there was a lot of succession a lot of turnover there and uh the latest was that lace we know is that uh, some combination of vince and or michelle and or george were running the w network uh since then but yeah i've never seen anything like this before these are the, the number two number three uh, executives in WWE gone in one day
0: firing like this would happen on succession
4: the <laughs> hbo series oh fuck off
0: <laughs> jason says <laughs> Any idea what the VKM strategic vision is compared to Wilson and Barrios?
4: Yeah, I, I, I saw that. That's a good question. I can't imagine, like, what what is their difference in strategic vision? This is what the press release said, that they had different visions. And uh, I, I don't know what the differences in visions would be. It's not something that I've ever, I've never, you know, ended a day of W conference call talk and quarterly report stuff and been like, you know what? I wonder if Vince. And you know George Slash Slash Michelle have have a different vision of uh, of what they should do with the business. Um, I guess the stuff that we hear from Vince is a lot less detailed as far as vision. The, the most of the vision stuff that I've ever heard, I guess, has been from from Barrios and Wilson. What you get from Vince is here's the highlights of our business, here's uh, how great it is, and we're going to do well. It's sort of a sales pitch, almost to the point where I wondered if like. What's what's Vince doing these days? Like just really, really focusing on creative and writing the TV, and, and sort of just like leaving uh, the more nuts and bolts stuff to to other people like Wilson and Barrios? and uh, maybe I don't know. Oh.
3: So, some thoughts there from Russell Nomics Radio. It's really detailed. I'm, I'm going to only get to the weeds just a little bit, and then that's enough. But it's, but it's a really interesting financial talk about what's going on with the stocks in the WWE on Russell Nomics Radio. And, uh, you know, the thing that I don't know, and maybe you know, but one thing I don't know is. If anyone has really a say in that company other than Vince McMahon, yes, he did have other co-presidents and others that are in the front office. It's more than just Triple H and Stephanie and some of the other people that are around Vince. But I wonder, does anyone else really have a say? Can they really dig in and, and... sway vince's mind on some of the creative things around the company even with it being a public traded company who knows i have no idea all i know is that it's shocking that two people uh like wilson and barrios are fired just like that and the stock just plunges i would know when i first saw that and i saw the numbers i'd go should i pull out of this (laughs) this wwe stock oh jeez All right, let's uh, do this again on Tuesday, Tuesday, the 4th of February. We'll talk some more wrestling uh, and find out what's going on with Raw, what's going on on with the AEW, what's going on with uh, SmackDown, everything else around wrestling. Please, please, please subscribe to the podcast on YouTube.com. That is uh, YouTube.com, uh, as well as TWT on Instagram and Twitter. That's where you can find it, TWT. That's where you can find us on social media. How come there's no music? Hold on. Let me get... I know I, knew I was thrown off a little bit there. Okay. Wrestling TWT on Twitter and, <laughs> and Instagram. And also YouTube.com. Go to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday and subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate you as always for supporting the show and tell people that Jonathan Hood is talking wrestling, Tuesday wrestling, Tuesday twice a week, right here wherever you download your podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll talk to you Tuesday on the 4th.